0: The Talking Cure, Conversations with Jed Wheeler, is presented by the Office of Arts and Cultural Programming and Peak Performances at Montclair State University.
1: Hello, this is Jed Wheeler. Executive Director of Arts and Cultural Programming at Montclair State University, and you are listening to The Talking Cure. Today, um, which is April 29th, 2020, I am fortunate, in fact blessed, to be with Kate Soper. Kate is the composer of amazing work, and we look forward We look forward, forward, forward to the Romance of the Rose, which she has been creating. And we were on the brink, on the cusp of launching it at the Kasser Theater when we had to bring everything to a screeching halt because of COVID 19 and the health crisis we're all experiencing today. With that said, Kate. How are you?
2: I am doing well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Nice to virtually be here. To...
1: It's, well, I, I, I'm glad to see you at any time, any moment, anywhere. Mm. Um, this is particularly gratifying to be reconnecting with you. Um, yeah, you... a lot has happened
2: since last we met in person. So.
1: <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Um, so, You have quite a community of artists to work with Mm -hmm. Um, that was so apparent in the evolution of The Romance of the Rose. Tell me about them. Where did they come from? How did you find them? Who are they?
2: Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, I feel mostly that I just um, had the great dumb luck to stumble on most of the people who are my uh very dear close collaborators so um the romance of the rose is helmed musically by uh josh modney and the wet ink ensemble um and these are just the the people that i've been making music with since i got to new york in 2004 so um wet ink is a new york based um i guess now that we're all online just sort of international ensemble of new music Um, that includes performer composers like myself and um, other performers. And um, yeah, it's just kind of a network of musicians who are really at an incredible technical level who also have a lot of really uh, amazing creative impulses in their improvisation and their interpretation. Um, So uh, Josh is someone I've worked with uh, closely before on other big pieces of mine. He is um, the music director and conductor of the show. And then in the ensemble are um, just people that we've worked with for years. I've worked with everyone in the band in some capacity before this opera as a composer or performer or both. Uh, And then the creative team, um, Michael Rao, who is the director, I just kind of met by chance in New York. He happened to come to a show of mine and has just been um, a really important, Kind of sounding board and um, a dreamer alongside me, someone to ask really important questions as the opera was in development and um, and it was just starting to really bloom into his vision of what the opera should be when all the good stuff like lights and costumes and sets had to kind of get put on hold. Um, And yeah, Annie Holt, our creative producer and dramaturg. uh, She was at Columbia, overlapped with me a bit and has just been someone that's been a big part of my life in the theater world um, for the last several years. And then the cast, I mean, just seven incredible performers and singers that um, range from people that I've just very deeply, closely worked with, been on stage with since I started doing stuff on stage to people that You know, I just met for the first time a couple of years ago and kind of chased down to get in this opera. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think it's just people from different walks of my life, uh, people who have other connections with each other. um, And it was really amazing to see everyone together in the theater working on this project and to be able to give them an opportunity to showcase their brilliance, which was so helpful to me as an artist and a a writer for for this piece
1: well I snuck I snuck into various rehearsals you may not have seen me I usually I come into the theater uh, in the mezzanine or the balcony Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: and listen and watch I mean the focus the intensity the creative um esprit de corps was tangible Mm -hmm. tangible just felt so good to be in that house with Mm you yeah just a just to let everybody know who's listening that The Romance of the Rose is coming to the Kasser Theater in um, March of 2021.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, um, it's, um, it's on the schedule and we're excited. So it's, it's, it's only um, in a kind of peak pause right at the moment.
2: is mm-hmm. as, as so much art right now. So I'm <laughs> grateful to have How a would day to all? look forward to.
1: How are you all staying together? Are you connecting via um, electronic media in any way? Um,
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I've had, you know, various Zoom meetings with uh, the cast and crew. I know that Michael is talking to the designers. And, um, you know, as many who work with me will um, tell you, under their breath, I can never stop revising. So um, I actually was able to make a small tweak um, to the work since we had to bag it up. Um, oh
1: well, I'm in, I'm in, I'm counting on you. Not well, I think need-
2: now it's I'm going to put it in tissue paper and say that my work is done. But you know, we we were just in such a rich moment of intense rehearsal, right when things shut down, that it was just kind of the good place to say, okay, this is gonna land better on stage if I change this one thing. But uh, other than that, I think just the the things that are not in my control are still going along, you know, um, with the look of the opera, the, the, the way it's gonna walk around on stage. Um, so conversations are happening. Um, I've been in touch with the musicians to talk about uh, various, um, you know, scheduling ideas, how to keep the music alive. Um, Josh and I actually have talked about maybe making some little teaser recordings, uh, just maybe the two of us you know, doing a couple of, you know, piano, violin, voice numbers or something. So yeah, I think I think the, the work is alive and um, it won't be hard to kind of
1: keep the well for the, things that the I, next few
2: months.
1: I mean, I, I've encountered your work a number of times. I think the last the last performance I saw was Ipsa Dixit at the Miller, mm-hmm. which just absolutely blew me away. Thank you. Um, I, I could not speaking of you use the word dumb luck. I mean, um, and that's one of the my one of my most operative um, forward momentum tools mm-hmm. and i just felt how lucky i am to have encountered kate soper this is more than i could ever hope for um, and so but one of the things that happened was is that i thought well one of the things i love doing is immersing myself in abstraction and coming up with some making my own story mm-hmm. and one of the things that was very surprising the when the first rehearsal that I saw, which was in Manhattan, and then subsequently out of Kasser, was um, The Romance of the Rose has a story.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes,
2: yeah, it's, it's less abstract than ipsa I think it's, it's sort of maybe more uh, similar to my previous opera, Here Be Sirens, in that it's more character-focused. I saw that focused.
1: too. I, know, mm-hmm. I, I Right, yes, I, you did. That's I,
2: right, a national yeah.
1: Um, and then I was I've listened to your unwritten operas.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: All seven <laughs> of them.
2: Quarantine project, yeah. I think are there Is seven? It? There's are there oh, oh I six, guess the new one's six. coming up on Friday. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well maybe it was just my hope that there's gonna be a seven.
2: Oh, there's gonna be dozens. We'll see how long this lasts, but yeah.
1: No. Um my uh, my favorite. Of the group is um, am I pronouncing right? Bogle. Oh, Borgel. Yes.
2: Yeah. Borgel. Yeah. That was. It was nice um, to make something that I could like share with you know my my little nieces and and uh, well, you friends see, that's who are what musicians. I,
1: that's what I wanted to talk to you about, because I, I suspected that was, the impulse. Mm-hmm. But I actually I actually feel that um, children's stories in general, or for obvious reasons they are, are a lot deeper and more complex um, than uh, adults are willing to give mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. And actually, I feel that children's stories have the most potential as opera, hmm. not well, because- Well, yeah. mm-hmm. Not because they're for children.
2: Well, they're very archetypal and, you know, they have, right. uh Yeah, big action. And, um,
1: and you can build into them mm-hmm. and you can yeah. bring tremendous complexity to them. Mm-hmm. So I, and, and I was completely charmed. I'm a huge Cormac McCarthy fan. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. All the Pretty Horses was like, oh, when are we doing that? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, they're unwritten operas, so yeah, I'll just have to wait for the commissions to roll in. Well, no, I do feel. I mean, it's so this this is a YouTube series that I'm making just in the need to have a creative outlet right now. But it has kind of occurred to me as I, you know, rarely leave my house, and stay in my PJs until noon, and make these little videos that you do really have to be connected, I think, to your childhood self in order to persist in being an artist into your adulthood because you know, there is a lot of ridiculous, there's a lot of play acting about it. you kind of uh, have to be willing to, you know, make a spectacle out of yourself and, or, you know, tell yourself stories. And um, it's it's nice to feel that that can yield some powerful results too. And I think that plot is something that I've become more and more interested in, in the last few years. And um, there's a lot of stuff in The Romance of the Rose that has this childlike sense of, oh, these larger than life characters and these you know, funny actions and strange mystical kingdoms. Um, and then I think as the opera goes on, things maybe turn a little darker or get a little bit more complex, but I think it is rooted in some sense of you know, childlike wonder at the possibilities that exist within opera, the things that you can show and the things that you can tell. And I've always really loved storytelling so much and wanted to be a part of that.
1: Well, I think that I I I saw that in the Romance of the Rose. I mean, the playfulness of it it Mm -hmm. was um, it was charming. It was endearing. I mean, Mm -hmm. I thought, how do I tell people that they have to see this? You know, Mm -hmm. because they'll be charmed. Mm -hmm. They will be enveloped in the mysteries of of romance Mm -hmm. and discovery. Yeah. I, think it's an inter- I, mean, I think it's a really interesting oh, avenue of discussion to talk about childhood and adulthood and the, um, how much effort is given to separate the two. Mm-hmm. When they shouldn't be, can't mm-hmm. be. And in fact, I think, as, we, as you know, I'm sure, is, is that um, childhood is filled with amazing uh, discoveries
0: mm-hmm.
1: and statements and insights um, and that as we get older, um, people are drawn into being more self-conscious.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, um, it's, it's actually the unawareness of childhood that I find so fulfilling mm-hmm. and way, uh, you know, and I think opera is, is a really a good way to bring out the The childhood, but in Mm -hmm. uh, in in an adult way,
0: yeah. um,
1: You know, I think that's what the Romance of the Rose is doing.
2: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, you're you know you're playing pretend, and then I think in you know the Romance of the Rose there is some sense of you know the characters in the opera themselves also playing pretend, which has so much to do with you know how we play pretend when we're in love, and and what kind of imagination that requires, and how wonderful that is, but how, you know, treacherous that can be too. So yeah, there's been a lot of both interesting, just fascinating conversations with the cast and crew about all of our, you know, deep and heavy and irreconcilable feelings about being humans who live and fall in love. And then also, you know, childish playfulness on stage and just coming up with, you know, silly dances to put in or, funny ways to do numbers and stuff. So it's been a really nice reminder that, as you say, you have to keep your childhood imagination active in the context of your complicated adult feelings in order to make opera.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Those complicated adult feelings. Look out. Mm Come on your way soon. So Let's talk a little bit about making opera. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you're based, you... You're at Smith College.
2: Yes, I teach at Smith. Mm-hmm.
1: And you have pre- presumably students coming to you with the idea that they want to write an opera. Um, mm, or maybe not so directly. But... That's
2: happened a couple t- times, and I have a student now who's going to write a musical next year. So it's every, yeah, it's, I'd say that's maybe a once every third semester kind of occurrence.
1: But what do you tell them? Where
2: I say are they, great, whatever you know tell me about it, let's do it.
1: Where they, mean, where are they where are they gonna go?
2: Well, they I mean, um I think the students at Smith uh they they like being kind of integrated with their peers. They're used to calling on their friends. It's a very kind of tight uh social community, I think. So um I had a student who um Uh, is a composer still now in New York who put an opera on and just, you know, recruited her friends and um, put it on in a a really nice black box theater in the uh, theater center we have here. And I have, uh, you know, this other student who expressed her intention to write a musical for next year and said she's got people lined up and is confident she can rehearse it. So I think the kind of DIY attitude that um, was not something I really was immersed in when I was myself in college, but then was really, that was kind of how my career started and how we worked in the Wet Ink Ensemble um, in my early years in New York. That's something that is familiar to them. I think there is a sense um, among the younger generation than me of, you know, get your friends together and put on a show, which I think that's, basically, that's still what I'm doing today, you know, so.
1: I think that's cool. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that's, You know, that speaks well for possibilities. Mm -hmm. Let's let's just do it. Yeah,
2: I mean, eventually you have to deal with logistics, depending on what your hopes and dreams are. But I think, you know, just getting the work out there, the most useful thing is just to have collaborators who believe in you that uh, inspire you, that you have time to spend with.
1: I mean, one of the things that I'm grappling with, which um, dovetails with what you're doing in terms of the Romance of the Rose, um, and, and your, is how the digital world um, can be harnessed to increase interest and excitement in um, new
0: mm-hmm.
1: opera. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dance, new theater, new circus, but in this case, new opera. Um, And I'm very, I'm very optimistic
0: Mm -hmm.
1: about what we might be able to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's this the the issues that I mean, obviously, as a theater manager that I'm confronting is, you know, is well, not everybody's going to be able to sit together for Mm -hmm. for quite a while,
0: yeah,
1: if ever. But we Mm -hmm. certainly know that. but at the same time, I'm also uh, experiencing the opportunity, the possibilities of, of broadening the audience by, by in fact, in in your case, um, creating a uh, a high definition,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, highly professional, um, broadcast quality, romance of the rose.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That you know, sounds great. You know, um, and which. You know, I, I'm I'm thrilled by that, that mm-hmm. possibility, and I'm just you know I'm just, I mean now that everybody and in, in you and your wedding wedding ensemble and the and the singers are you know are are communicating uh, remotely, you know um, I think there's going to be the possibility of having um, a new performing arts platform
0: mm-hmm.
1: for contemporary performance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It didn't exist before. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think there's going to be more... Uh, the generation you're talking about, the uh, do-it-yourselfers, you know, mm-hmm. are going to be like, oh, oh yeah, uh, the only way it's going to happen is I- I'm going to do it myself.
2: Yeah. hmm Yeah, I mean, I, I think there are a lot of possibilities. I think nothing can replace real, like, music rehearsal together, but then, I think you know what. What is the performance now? If, if there's no way for to cram 500 people into the into a theater space anymore, I think everyone is thinking now: how how do you communicate the end result? How do you engage an audience? And you know, and we're all sitting at home watching various artistic things take place on screen. So I think both sides of the audience are, uh, are the audience and the performers are trying to think about, yeah, what is
1: well, this Well, the word to? that pops up all, has popped up many times in my conversations is the word intimacy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that the mm. loss of intimacy.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, that's a loaded, a loaded statement mm-hmm. in and it's unto itself. Yeah talking about childhood and adulthood, Mm -hmm. what what those transitions are about. But um, how do you feel about that? I mean, what, you know?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's tough. I mean, we're in this situation, we're in this brave new world. So we have to see what is gonna be safe and responsible. But for me, I think um, there's something about being in, in theater rehearsal that is such a moving experience because of the proximity you have to what's unfolding is this very intimate, very moving experience. Like I remember when I was in college, I did a lot of sound design and and uh, even in grad school, some intersections with, with plays that I was writing music for. And just like being in some sweltering or freezing basement room with the actors in jeans and t-shirts, reading some scene and just feeling such powerful emotion just by being in the room with performers that way. And I was feeling some of these things, you know, in the last weeks of Rose rehearsal, just sitting in the casser and watching, you know, Devaney Smith and Lucas Steele slow dancing while Ariadne Mm. Grief sings a torch song. It just like something about that charged presence of being in a room. And I think opera is really good with this because it has music and it also has, you know, live humans being human on stage. I don't know how to replicate that experience, um, digitally. There's, there probably are ways to get close to it. And I've certainly been, you know, moved seeing movies and that kind of thing before. Um, but yeah, something about just the experience of being in the presence of raw physical emotion that is happening, you know, within 20 feet of your face,
1: that's, Right there with you. No, I totally yeah. agree. I think it's a it's a it's a conundrum. I mean, it's mm-hmm. something that has to be explored. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see how we can do moving into the future do one without the other. Actually, I think mm-hmm. I, um, so. I'm I'm gambling that the um, the way forward um, and in a very fruitful, beneficial way for um, composers such as yourself is mm-hmm. to do both. Mm-hmm. Is to ha- you know is to be able to provide the intimacy, the excitement of making work together, mm-hmm. um, also having um, an audience of some size, mm-hmm. um, and then having that work experienced by as broad a number of people as we possibly. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think so. mm. it does. Tra- it reverberates somehow. Like the experiences that I'm describing are also experiences that the audience doesn't get to have because it's something about being in rehearsal and, and being a, a small group of people. So then you do it in front of an audience and things are more polished. The audience is now kind of a, a block, you know, a little bit more faceless. So there's some of that intensity and the intimacy still there. And then you take it another step removed and it's you're watching it through a screen. But yeah, I think maybe if if the intimacy at the core, at that experience, when it was forged, is hot enough, you can still kind of feel that heat. I, I'm sure, you know, it's possible. It's just, like, yeah, well, I think I mean, you, like you said, some kind of combination of, like, there's some audience, and then there's, you know, the musicians are together, and, you know, we have to just sort of see. I think we're all recalibrating our our receptors now, too, in terms of how we experience art.
1: Well, I can say, having watched the rehearsals, and, uh, that one... Element of what you're providing, a, a, apart from a brilliant score and a wildly inventive idea, with, filled with excitement, is that you the artists on stage um, have chemistry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they're, they're, which I was found very inter- very exciting. I mean, they have act. I mean, unlike opera in a classical sense, mm-hmm. um, uh, which these performers, there's an electricity ab- oh, yeah. between them,
0: yeah
1: um, that's there, mm-hmm. you know and I think in the in the movie trade or you know the they say, "Oh well, you know, Audrey Hepburn has chemistry you mm-hmm. know with you know whomever you know whatever the actor is, you know, with mm-hmm. Gregory Peck, yeah. you know, going back decades, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and that's money in the bank, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, that was something I, I, I'm really, uh, you did a great job finding these people. These well, that's also people.
2: dumb luck, but, and it's all them, you know, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm so excited about our cast. They're all so fascinating and, and beautiful and alive, and they do have such interesting interactions with each other on stage.
1: I mean um I mean they have twinkle. <laughs> yes, mhm
0: mhm. Yeah, they
1: definitely do. I mean you know that's 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 hard that's hard to put in a jar. Yeah, you know.
0: yeah,
1: mhm. So, um so what's the next few months like for you? I mean you're at, you're at Smith, you probably don't even know whether Smith is going to what is it?
2: Well, we're having the same conversations I think that everyone's having and we're hoping to um I think the plan for now is a uh in person fall semester, and I think everyone has to wait and see but uh I mean, I was on leave this spring for the opera, so I'm in a sort of strange limbo for now, and then of course, all my summer uh gigs were cancelled and um travel plans so it's i don't know it's i mean yeah again this is you know going back to the childhood idea it's I feel kind of like i'm probably just going to regress just like read a lot of novels and you know i do i am enjoying making this youtube series and i might think about other ways that i can put something out there as a performer composer just in case it's entertaining or interesting or useful to anyone and yeah you know i mean i i got married in december which now i'm very glad we didn't wait till May which we were thinking of doing so yeah so it's kind of like well extended honeymoon too I'll just you know hang out with my husband think about music dream about the opera and uh get ready to you know teach in the fall the unwritten
1: unwritten operas are little mini sketches of all things that are possible so Mm -hmm. yeah I, I wouldn't I mean, it's clear that there are lots of possibilities.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
2: right. And it's, I mean, I think this is, it's a time that you have to draw on your own resources. And I've been, I have, had been sort of wanting to do some, something, some video, something digital before this happened. I think many people were sort of starting to think like, how can I use this platform? And then this happened. I thought, well, I never got around to getting a camera or a nice mic or a software program, but I think I have something free on my computer, and I've got a phone that has a video feature, so, you know, you really can get it together, if you have time and space. I mean, I'm very lucky to have a job that is not in jeopardy, because I'm a tenured faculty member, and to live in a community that's um, pretty easy to get around in during this crisis, and to, you know, have healthy family, knock on wood, and everything, so, yeah.
1: Well, Kate, I'm, I am so grateful that you have entrusted the Romance of the Rose to peak performances.
2: Well, I'm us. so grateful for your support. And I'm so, it's just such a relief to know that it still has a home. It just hasn't been weighing on me because I know it's going to happen. So, you know, thank I, I I would be so heartbroken if there were some other circumstances and I didn't have this kind of, Supportive collaboration from you and the team at Peaks. So well,
1: you're you're you you're, you're a going. very important part of our story. So, uh, you know, we, we would not have a season without you.
2: Oh well, well we'll we'll look forward to the season
1: then. Well, we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining me today.
2: Yes, my this
1: pleasure. This is this is, my, this is um, uh, fun to be doing it, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm glad to glad to be talking with you and seeing you and. Um, I can't wait for uh, Unwritten Opera number 7.
2: This is All the Pretty Horses by Cormac McCarthy. I'm going to read a short passage where um, John Grady kind of uh, expresses this feeling um, when he's in a really terrible uh, situation. He's in prison somewhere. He doesn't know what's happening to his friends. He's really alone. And then I'm going to skip back a bit and read um, a dream that really captures the essence of the function of horses in this book. So, starts with John Grady in prison here.
0: He lay there three days. He slept and woke and slept again.
2: Someone turned off the light and he woke in the dark. He called out, but no one answered. He lay in the dark, thinking of all the things he did not know about his father, and he realized that the father he knew was all the father he would ever know. He would not think about Alejandra because he didn't know what was coming or how bad it would be, and he thought she was something he'd better save. So he thought about horses. And they were always the right thing to think about.
0: That night, he dreamt of horses in a field, on a high plain, where the spring rains had brought up the grass and the wildflowers out of the ground flowers ran all blue and yellow, far as the eye could see. And in the dream, he was among the horses running. And in the dream, he himself could run with the horses over the plain where the rich colors shone in the sun. And the young colts trampled down the flowers in a haze of pollen that hung in the sun like powdered gold. And they ran, he and the horses, out along the high mesas where the ground resounded under their running hooves. And they moved resonance that was like a music among them, and they were none of them afraid, horse nor colt nor mare, and they ran in that resonance which is the world itself, and which cannot be spoken but only praised. Two guards came and opened the door and handcuffed Rollins and led him away.
2: John Grady stood and asked where they were taking him,
0: but they didn't answer.